Good morning. Good morning. Hey, welcome to Northside. And um, just a serious question. Would you be ready for the Lord to open the floodgates? Are you ready for the Spirit to come down and, and to, to move? I mean, that's what we're singing about, right? And uh, we talked about His presence in this place and His glory on our face. So um, smile. Yeah, His glory is on your face. Smile. Hey, we're, we're glad that you're here, uh, especially if you're some of our guests. We'd love to know who you are and have a record of your visit. There's a portion of the bulletin you can tear out, place that in the offering, and we can know how to contact you, how to minister to you. Uh, if you're some of our home folks, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, there are a lot of Christmas cards out there ready for you. And uh, if you don't take them with you, I've got nothing else to do except auction them off. And, uh, you know, for, for more missions money. But, no, seriously, um, stop by and make sure that you get your Christmas cards. And uh, thank you for doing that as we, as we, it's just a fundraiser for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But right now, take the time to greet someone and smile at them. And maybe they'll smile back. If you'll find your way back to your spots.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've created, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to come out and to worship you, to give you praise and sing your songs. 
Lord, we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings now. Go with BJ as he brings us your word. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail thee. And thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that he offers to each and every one of us. It's in Christ's name I do pray. Amen.
blood flowing. Ask the children to come up and join me on stage here for a children's message. All right. Now, you won't be able to see what's in here if you sit way over there. So come on over this way. Come on over here. All right. Well, if you can't see what's in the box, I don't guess you get anything that's in the box, right? All right. You know, a few weeks ago, we, uh, I used this same box, and I talked about hope. You remember? Because we'd look at a present or something like that, and we hope there's something nice in it. And, um, yeah, yeah, come on up. Come on up, Hunter. And, um, but I didn't open it up, right? Because we hope that there's something really awesome in there. Uh, I think I want to open it up today. Is that okay? Can I open this up? Yeah. What do you think you might find in it? A toy. A toy? It rhymes with toy. It's joy. Ha! That's what we're going to find in there. But... Just a minute. Let's hear a little bit more about joy. Listen to what uh, these guys have to say about joy. Throughout Advent, we draw closer to the light of Christ. We've walked through the long darkness. Now we seek the pinprick of light. Christ's coming has been promised by the prophets, and our hope has risen. We've heard the good news that God loves us. He loves us enough to send his only son. God's love has become the candle in the window leading us home. As the darkness begins to fade, and the peak light rims in the edges of the world, we cannot help but notice that joy, spontaneous, unbidden, unexpected joy, is starting to rise. Advent's building anticipation unleashes joy in all of us. As we light the candle of joy, we see just how near Christ's coming is. Joy to the world, we have sung at his coming. But it's joy only for that part of the world that can hear our song. Our joy today is tempered heard by knowing that yet billions who live in darkness without Christ. As we light the candle of joy, we do so pray that soon the whole world will be engulfed in the tidings of the great joy that shall be for all people. All right. Well, listen, I have a little bit of, of, of that joy this morning because we've been, you know, we've been talking about Lottie Moon and giving to Lottie Moon, and whenever we give, that helps missionaries carry the joy of Christmas, the joy of Christ to people that don't know him. And so, you remember last week we put one ribbon up on the tree because we had a little over $300 raised. Well, look how many we get to put up this time. We get to put five more up there this week. So, that's good. That is good. So, who would like to put one? All right, well, I've got five, so here here we go. Just take one and go put it up and then, and then come right back. Hold on, Eli, you did last week. Listen, man. All right, so we'll hang them on the tree right there and then come right back. Oh, did you lose a shoe? You were excited, weren't you? All right. Those are not my jeans. I'm not fast enough to run out of my shoes. I must be your mom. All right. Well, come on back because I did want to talk to you about joy. So after you get that, after you get that hung up there, look. We're gonna open up this. We're gonna open up this present. We hope that there's something good in there, right? Yes. We hope there's something in there. And there, a pancake. Oh man, I didn't think about a pancake. But joy does burst onto you like a star in the night. So we have some starbursts. Who would like a starburst? All right. Look, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. And if anybody in children's search has any problem with it, say, well, Pastor BJ gave us candy. All right, so here we go. Come and 
Come and get one, and then as soon as you get one, have a seat, and we're going we're gonna to pray. All right? Here's some more. Make sure you get one. All right. Can I throw it up in the air? That would be like a starburst, wouldn't it? Here we go. Whoop. All right. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy of Christmas, the joy of Christ. Thank you that uh, more people are going to hear about that joy because we're giving towards our missionaries and praying for them. Uh, God, may we carry that joy with us, but not just to keep it for ourselves, that we share the joy of Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Men and beasts before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door, and man is there forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Good Christian men rejoice. With heart and soul and voice Now ye heed not fear the grave Jesus Christ was born to save Pain is everlasting all Christ was born to save Christ was born to save Amen. You all can be seated. As you know, the last couple of weeks we have talked about our Lottie Moon International Missionaries and, and our Christmas offering for the international missionaries. Um, well, this week, uh, rather than a video, we have someone who served uh, on the international mission field and uh, is going to come and talk to you a little bit about where some of the Lottie Moon monies go. Um, so, Lindsay, if you'll come on up and share a little bit about your time on the mission field. The things I let him talk me into. <sighs> but um, I guess that many of y'all probably grew up the same way I did in the Baptist church. Do any of y'all remember getting the offering, offering envelopes? We'd get the box of them. Many times they have our names on them. They had our little checkoffs. Or did you bring your Bible? Did you go to Sunday school? Are you giving? Um, we always had those boxes growing up, and there were special envelopes in there a couple times a year. One was Lottie Moon, one was the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So I've grown up hearing about Lottie Moon's Christmas offering my whole life. Sometimes our RAs or GA groups or Awana groups would have special little banks or bags that we'd fill up, and same as here, we'd bring them down and put them in a manger. So I've grown up my whole life hearing about Lottie Moon. Never really dawned on me where the money goes or exactly what it's used for um, until college. I had an awesome opportunity. Uh, I think it was my sophomore year in college, that, to spend my summer serving. I signed up to the International Mission Board. I was telling the kids some about it this Wednesday, and that I decided to spend my summer serving on the mission field. So I went online at International Mission Board. They had so many trips offered, and you could pick your top three. So of course, the first one I picked 
was a kids camp in Switzerland. I was so excited. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend their summer in Switzerland serving on a kids camp, right? That's awesome. My second choice was one in Montana that was also a kids camp, dude ranch, horses, right up my alley. I thought, that's great. And I had to put a third option. And I kept looking at them. I thought, none of these really sound like what I want to do. There's one that just said medical team, Venezuela. No information about it. I thought, well, I'm in nursing school. I probably should click on that one. So I put that as my third choice. I no sooner hit send than it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, that's where you need to be. I thought, oops, should have put that as first. And I spent the next few days praying about it, thinking about it. I got my response back from the International Mission Board that said, you're headed to Venezuela in three weeks. I thought, okay, all right, I, I get it. Um, the terrifying part of that to me was we got an email that just simply said, here's your flight numbers, here's the dates that you'll be there, and we can't give you any information. You're going into an area that you're not supposed to be in. Um, they gave me the airport. They told me, look for this particular porter that will meet you when you get off the plane. He's going to say these keywords to you. You say these keywords back, and he will walk you through customs. Don't leave his side until he gets you to the missionaries, and don't speak to anyone. Um, I did not realize their custom system there, it's, it's a highly technical system with a red light and a green light. And you hit the button, and if you get a red light, which 90% of the people did, they searched your entire bag and confiscated whatever they wanted. And Bibles were not going to come through that. Um, so the porter that I met took me to a specific line. I have no idea what he said to the guy in the line, but apparently they go to the same church. <laughs> he hit the button for me, and mysteriously I got a green light and was able to go through and meet my missionaries. Uh, it was a huge blessing. I can't imagine my own terror headed down there not knowing what I was going to. I look back now at my parents and wonder the terror they were going through back home, knowing they just put me on a plane and had no clue where I was headed. Um, but I say this to say we got there that night. I met my missionaries. I got in the really, really old stick shift Bronco in the middle of a country that was 110 degrees. And we drove through the most terrifying drive of my life, headed back to their house that night. We drove through gunfire. There was a uh, riot going on from the oil workers. Every time the president would come on the TV down there, they would protest by going outside and banging pots and pans. Well, apparently he happened to be on the TV at the same time as the riot. So we're driving through a city full of banging pots and pans, gunfire, riots, waiting on the crowds to get out of the road. And in all of this was my horror of this is what I'm about to live in for three months. We pulled up to a back street. I think we have a picture of the road my house is on. Nope, not that one, the street. There we go. As you can see, it's a beautiful city. This is a street our house is on. We pull up to this in the middle of the night. We pull up to a gate with an armed guard. He led us through the gate. We drive down. These cement block walls, the ones directly around our house, even had broken glass bottles on the top. Opened a gate, and we were home. We were in the one safe spot in that city for us with an armed guard, with a, and I say an armed guard, he guarded about five houses when he was awake. Um, but it was our safe spot in that city. It was the one place we could go back to every night after spending weeks out doing medical teams and whatnot. That was our safe spot. And when I walked in that night, the missionary greeted me, and her greeting was, welcome to Lottie's Lodge. This was a Lottie's Lodge. This was bought with Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This is what our money goes towards. When the kids come up here and put the money, when you write the check, this is what it goes towards as a safe haven for these missionaries. You can go back to that house picture for me. This is what a typical house down there looks like. Um, that was a home I spent a good bit of time in. There was a couple in that. Marta and their eight children lived in that on two mattresses on the floor. This is an 
average home down there. So we felt like kings when we lived on the street with an actual toilet in the house. Our Lottie's Lodge was not perfect. It flooded every time it rained. The toilets were a little iffy. And I was horrified to find there was no hot water, which I quickly discovered within the first week is a huge blessing because it's 110 degrees. You don't want a hot shower anyway. Um, I also discovered look before you get in the shower because iguanas are stray down there and they frequently get in your house and you may grab one instead of your shampoo. But the Lottie's Lodge was such an oasis away from this. Um, you can go to a couple of the other pictures. But we went out to areas like this. This is the city dump where one of the indigenous tribes lived. They have Indian tribes down there. But we would spend our days out in the 110 degree heat doing medical clinics. BJ wouldn't let me show any of the medical photos. I don't know why. <laughs> but we would spend days and weeks out doing these clinics with teams that would come down from the U.S., partnering with the missionaries there. And every night we would get to go back to our Lottie's Lodge. We would have a safe place to stay, a safe place to sleep, a place for our translators to come in and learn more about the gospel message they were going to be helping us present, a place for, um, oh my goodness, so much missionary work happened in that house. They would take in people that needed a place to stay for a few nights um, but the home was such a blessing, such a blessing in the middle of this situation that it allowed those missionaries to have a place to rest, to go back out and do this work. So when you're, if you're giving your Lighting Moon Christmas offering, know that this is what it's going towards. It's going towards missionaries having safe places to live and rest and an oasis away from the heat, actually, and uh, having nice cold showers and iguanas so that they can go back out and do this work. I can't even count the number of lives, this one couple that I've, I had the privilege of living with them for three months, but they lived down there for six years, and the amount of lives they were able to reach was just amazing and incredible, and their impact still continues. This particular area IMB had to pull out of about five years ago. U.S. is not allowed to this. It's too close to the Colombian border. Um, that was part of what I was told before we go there is you can go there, but there is no extradition from this area if anything happens. We can't get our planes into the landing strips near there. Um, but just thank y'all. Thank y'all for giving. Thank you. This is what it goes towards. It's real. It is making a huge impact. So no matter how big or how large, thank you. And continue giving so these missionaries can continue this work. Thank you for sharing. Man, that's the prettiest missionary I've ever seen. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's, let's, let's pray again for our missions. Father, we come to you on behalf of those serving all around the world. Um, some uh, have just gone to bed. Some are maybe up in the middle of the night um, and getting ready to serve. Uh, but Lord, uh, I pray that you keep them safe. I pray that you uh, give them opportunity and they seize the opportunity to share the gospel. Um, and Lord, I, I pray that they see fruit, that they see fruit of their labors, and that you move in a mighty way. And uh, Lord, I pray that our churches will continue to give and pray and, and, and support our missionaries. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, oftentimes life is described as a journey or a voyage. Um, think of the, the classic John Bunyan uh, story of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Is a, there's a, a journey that he's on, or uh, 
Homer's Odyssey, or, uh, or maybe this, this statement, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, was uh, Neil Armstrong. As he's talking about landing on the moon, he's, he's talking about taking a step in the right direction, or life is a highway, right? I'm not going to sing any more of that for you. Probably one of my favorites. Mama always says there's an awful lot you can tell about a person by their shoes. Where they're going, where they've been. I've worn lots of shoes. And then the movie of Forrest Gump unfolds and talks about his journey. The reason I share those with you, it's something that we can connect with. We've all been on a journey. We're all still on a journey. We're on a voyage somewhere. Paul's life was no less a journey. He was on the way to somewhere, it seemed like, all the time. Uh, longing, if he was in one place for too long, he longed to be somewhere else, it seemed. And it wasn't without hardships or trials. And today, if you have your Bible and turn to the book of Acts chapter 27, we're going to try to cover the main contents of the entire chapter, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. But I'll just read a, a few of the highlights, Acts chapter 27, as we begin to understand Paul's journey. And uh, it's really coming to a culmination here. It's coming to its end pretty soon, at least for what we have in the book of Acts. But at this point, we see a great trial that he, uh, that he undergoes. And so if you have your Bibles and you've, you've found Acts chapter 27, I would ask if you would please stand. I'm going to read verse 9. And if... If my guys in the back are trying to keep up with the screen, I just go ahead and apologize ahead of time as I, as I skip around a little bit. But Acts 27, 9. By now much time has passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the fast was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward damage and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than what Paul said. Now, we're going to skip on down a little bit, a little bit. but yeah, Paul was right. There was a bad storm, and they, they did a lot of sailory type things to protect the ship. Verse 20, for many days neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no, there will be no loss of any of your lives but only of the ship. For this night an angel of God, uh, for this night an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look. God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Verse 33. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them to take food, saying, Today's the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this, is, this has to do with your survival. Since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all men, or in the presence of all of them, and when he broke it, he began to eat. 
They all became encouraged and took food themselves. Verse 39, when daylight came, they didn't recognize the land but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. And after casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes, they held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. Well, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them could swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out the plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow, some on planks and some on debris of the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who wrote it, those who have preserved it. May we honor it today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So a lot of interesting things happen here. And uh, one of the things that I find most interesting, first of all, is the detail to which Luke records this for us. There are other things that he just almost just kind of mentions in passing, but he really records a lot of detail about what took place on, these, on this journey across the, the, the Mediterranean Sea on the way to Rome. And there's, there's a lot here. There, there are a lot of things that probably if you were a sailor, if you were a, a sailboat captain, or if you had experience there, you may understand even more than, than uh, most of us. Suffice it to say, it was a bad storm. It lasted for quite a while. Uh, Paul had that insight. He tried to tell him to park for a little while, slow down. And you can avoid the turmoil. But as things would have it, God led them through this. And uh, we see a great trial here for Paul, a crisis in his faith that he seemed to be unwavering. This Christmas season, this Advent, you see we have lit the various candles so far. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how Paul had hope in God. That was his testimony before, before Festus. I have hope in God. Last week, I talked about how the idea that he was in chains and how oftentimes, while he was in prison, in, in his letters that he wrote, he would grant peace and grace to those, even while in prison. And so two weeks ago was hope in God, and last week was peace in chains, and this week, joy in trials. Joy in trials. James, James talks about this, as he records for us in... Uh, the very first chapter of the book of James, that we are to count trials as joy. I'm sorry, I'm fumbling through with it here. There we go. James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. It's an interesting way to start a letter Hey, you're going through a difficult time? Well, be joyful. Count it as joy. You're going through some trials? Count it as joy. So how do we do that? How do we find joy in our difficult days, in our dark days, when the sun hadn't shone for 14 days and the waves are breaking up our ship? How do we find joy? First of all, what is joy? I think is a good place to start again if I just had to try to put a, a simple definition on it it's unexpected exuberance 
and it's birthed in spontaneity. That is, it's not crafted. We don't put together situations to make us joyful. It just happens. I'll explain a little bit of that in a little bit. But if with the birth of Jesus we see hope and the, the Messiah has come to make all things new, to set things right again, we talked about how that is peace, that is shalom. Well, when everything is as it should be, or when we even see that things are making their way in progress toward shalom, making their way toward the way it should be, it stirs up within us this pure, this unbidden joy because things are going the way that the Lord has planned. We're, we're seeking shalom. We're seeking peace. And so we have hope in that. And it creates within us joy, or it ought to. And it really is a message it's a divine message. It's a message that comes down from the heavens. And who better to proclaim that message than the angels who showed up there in a field with shepherds and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy. Good tidings of great joy. And then what he announced was, A baby's been born. That is a joyful occasion, no doubt. But this one is far different than anyone had been before. And this one's different than anyone that's been since. Good tidings of great joy that could only be, that message could only really be delivered by an angelic voice. You know, joy is especially peculiar. Like I said a minute ago, it's not like happiness. They're, they're similar. They're akin. A lot of times they go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. Happiness, we begin to think, might be manufactured. Joy can't be manufactured. It just happens. You know, a man can labor and toil for happiness. We can strive for happiness. We can try to put things in our lives that make us happy. We can try to set plans in, in order. If we make the right moves and, and everything goes just right, we're happy with our job. Or we have a happy home or a happy marriage. Our life is happy. We have happy friendships. But the truth is, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of us, all the plans we had, they went all the way through? Um, <laughs> rarely, rarely do our plans go according to the way we think they should. And it's been said, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. But joy is different. Joy is different. I said joy is already, you know, I've, I've already said that joy is birthed in spontaneity, not carefully executed plans. And so it's a little more mysterious in that way. How does it, how do we find joy? Where, where do we find joy if it's just something that's spontaneous, something that I can't, and this may be the biggest problem with it. I can't control it. Oh, man, we love to be in control. You know that the song we sang to open up with, open up your heavens, uh, open up the heavens. And when the spirit moves, one of the things we're so afraid of about the spirit moving is that I might not be in control. I might not get to decide where I go on an international mission trip. It might be decided for me. What am I going to do when I'm not in control? But it's not out of control. It's just actually in the hands of the one who has better control. Does that make sense? 
We put ourselves in God's hands, and he's got better control of my life than I ever could dream to have. So I'm not out of control. I'm in God's control. But we're, we're afraid of that sometimes, oftentimes. But joy, it's not something manufactured. It's spontaneous. We sang already today, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strings prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Well, there was an angelic messenger told us about a child, a savior that was born. Yeah, we're, we didn't expect that to happen. We were just out here with the sheep. We didn't expect an angel to show up. I don't think any of my buddies here planned to have that angel pop out of the sky. It, it's not something we manufactured. It just happened. Joy. As I've said, it's, it's not circumstantial, and it's not exactly happiness. Look, if you will, with me to 2 Corinthians. Something else Paul has to say. 2 Corinthians uh, 4.17, he says this, or back up to 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer man is being destroyed, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And listen, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. You see, Paul is saying, I have an eternal perspective, and so anything that's happening here that I may deem as a trial, anything that's happening here that I may say is oppressive or dark or hard, when I have an eternal perspective, my, my perspective is not on what's happening here in this world. It's on something that's happening. And he says, let me get this phrase exactly right, the incomparable eternal weight of glory. It far outweighs anything here on this earth. It's eternal. It's the glory of God. We can have joy not just on the days where we're especially happy, not just when things happen to go our way, but we can have joy even in the midst of trial. This is what James is saying. This is cer certainly what it seems that Paul is explaining here as well. And then, our great example, the author of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, I can stop right there and preach the sermon, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. Uh, you know, hey, let's get rid of this stuff that's slowing us down. And I love the idea that he says sin, and he also says everything that ensnares us and encumbrance to us. Sometimes it's good things we have to leave behind to pursue the great things of God. But let me go on. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who, listen, for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of God's throne. Our great example, our great example, we keep our eyes on Jesus. It did not say that he enjoyed the cross. It doesn't say that he was happy about being on the cross. It says he endured the cross, despised the shame of the cross, why? Because of the joy set before him. Because there's something greater than even a cross of man can put on our lives. Being in the presence of God, being in the will of God, being in God's hands with an eternal perspective. 
we begin to find joy. Our great example, Jesus Christ. So the next question which flows naturally from this is not just what is joy, but where is it found? Where is joy found? Because there's a lot of people looking for joy these days. And they're pursuing all the wrong places. Where can it be found? The simple answer is it can be found anywhere. It can be found anywhere and at any time. It's hard for us to just point right where joy is found. Even under the most unpromising circumstances. Even when we think there's no joy in it, if God is in it, joy can be there. Look, it can be found in the midst of suffering. Our cheeks, our pillows stained with tears. We can still find joy. Because joy can be a baby boy that doesn't have a crib in the middle of the night in a town his parents don't live in. There can be joy, but there can also be joy of a sinless Savior hanging on a cross. Joy, that doesn't look like a joyful occasion, but joy can be found there. Joy can be found where there is Christ. And for you and for me, again, it's not manufactured with outside circumstances, but it's generated, listen, from a transformation within. It's not about the, the things I have set up in the, my life on the external, but it's all about how Christ has transformed me from within. And that's where joy begins inside, in my heart. Jesus talked about this when he, when he, when he talked about you go down to the tombs and you whitewash the tombs and they look beautiful, but it's rotten and decaying beneath it. You drink from a cup and the outside of the cup is beautiful, but the inside of the cup is dirty. It's not about everything that we put on Instagram or Facebook and everybody else thinks our life is wonderful. Has the Lord transformed your heart? Joy comes from within as Christ changes us. We identify with Christ on the cross, and we find joy. But one other, one other interesting note here. Philippians 1.18. Philippians 1.18. I love what Paul says here. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. What's he saying here? Paul's saying that he rejoices when Christ is proclaimed. When the good news is shared, there's joy. There's joy in talking about Jesus. There's joy in coming to the cross, and there's joy in speaking of the cross. A few months ago, it may, have, it may have been almost a year ago, I'm not, I'm not really sure of the, the timeline, uh, but right out here in the, in the foyer, uh, somehow Lindsay and Hannah found their way out there, and um, maybe my sermon was especially boring that day, but <clears throat> whatever, whatever circumstances led them to be out there just outside the, the, the restroom, Hannah asked Lindsay an interesting question. Uh, 
don't even know why this thought was in her head, but um, she asked about her twin, which most of you don't know. Uh, when we went to the uh, we went to the doctor for the first time to discuss, hey, we think we're pregnant. Let's let's investigate this. Uh, you know what, what's going on here. Uh, I was uh, I was a little taken aback when the word twin was thrown out. Whoa, not quite triplets, but you know. I, whoa, twin. And uh, very, very early on in, in Lindsay's pregnancy, Hannah, Hannah had a twin. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, the, the Lord, uh, well, I guess the best way to say it is the Lord just allowed us to have one Hannah. And uh, double dose of personality, but one Hannah. So anyway, that's a little bit of the backstory, and Hannah's heard us talk about twin before, and she just asked Lindsay, said, did my twin die before or after I was born? She said, well, uh, God took your twin home well, well before you were born. Um, and then the next thing she said was, oh, no. My sister never got to hear about Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hmm. She was concerned that her sister didn't know Jesus. Because she understands the joy of sharing Christ. I had a high school student not too long ago who uh, had opportunity to have a, a debate in class. And uh, she came to me and Brian and, and asked uh, for some help and sort of for some advice on Biblical creationism, because she wanted to debate, she wanted to debate creationism as a valid, as as, as a valid uh, worldview, um, and through that was able to share Christ. There's joy in that to take that opportunity to share. Just a couple of weeks ago, as we were uh, leaving a particular restaurant, I, I just felt like ah, I need to I need to talk to this person. I don't know why. The cashier said, I don't, know, I don't know how I'm going to start the conversation, but I, I just, for some reason, I need to talk to her. And as I walked up to pay, there was a little, there was a little card on the back wall that said, God loves you. I was like, whew, there's my, there's my introduction. So I just walked up, and I said, hey, is that yours? And she looked at me and said, no, is it yours? I said, no, I don't put anything on that wall. But, uh, but you know, it's true, right? God does love you. And we just had a very brief conversation. But there was joy in that because we were talking about the Lord. You see, Paul certainly knew. Not only is there joy at the cross, there's joy every time you talk about the cross. There's joy every time you share Jesus with someone. And he says, however the message is proclaimed, I'm going to rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice as we share Christ. So let us remember this today. Regardless of our circumstances, church, joy is found in Christ. And joy is found in sharing Christ. Joy is found in Christ, and joy is found in sharing Christ.
couple of contrasting stories from Scripture. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm just going to try to retell these stories from the best of my memory. Genesis 17, you can turn there if you want to. Genesis 17, there's an old man, a really old man. And uh, he doesn't have the son that God had promised him. Uh, but, uh, but the Lord tells him, uh, oh, by the way, now is about the time that you're going to have that son. Yes, yeah, so your wife's going to be pregnant. <laughs> She's never going to be 90 again, God. <laughs> uh, he laughs. He laughs. And when Sarah hears about it, she laughs. I love the fact that Abraham laughs so hard that the old man falls over. I hope somebody picked him up quickly, but they, they laughed because there's joy. There's joy. Unex talk about unexpected. A 90-year-old lady being with child to have a baby boy. In contrast to that, you can look at John chapter 9. There's a man that's been seated at the, at the temple for years. He's blind. And Jesus walks up and says, How can I help you? What you need? <laughs> well, I want to be able to see. He heals him. That man's excited. He dances. He's excited. There's joy in him. But the Pharisees are fit to be tied because it happened on a Saturday. No joy. No joy from them. Here's a man that has been born blind. And we're talking about a miracle of God. No joy. No joy. Upset because it happened on a Saturday. Joy is not circumstantial. It's not. But listen, folks, sometimes it does erupt in laughter and song and dance. Sometimes joy leads us to that. I think a lot of us need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Like if, if, I, if you knew how much the rest of us took you seriously, you wouldn't take yourself so seriously. And it's good to laugh. God is good. God is good. And smile. I heard somebody tell me this a long time ago. Smile. Most people will appreciate it, and the others will wonder what you're up to. Look, Paul's life was a journey. Paul's life was a journey. In this instance, he's been shipwrecked. And James tells us that even in a trial, we can rejoice. I read a piece of this a minute ago, but I don't know. Think of this. I'm going to read it again. Think of this now with the idea that Paul has joy on his face as this happens. Look, look back at Acts 27, verse 33. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them to, Paul urged all of them to take food and saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food, having nothing to eat. And I'm sure they're thinking, we know that, Paul. But look. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. And then, this is where I think there's a little smile that begins to come across his face. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all men, and he broke it and began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. You see, I, I think he was, even in the middle of that, 
he had just prayed to the Lord in front of them and blessed the food and he broke it. And I, and I just happened to believe there was a big old smile on Paul's face because he's encouraging the men and he's pointing them back to God even in the middle of this shipwreck. And so there's joy at the cross and there's joy every time we talk about the cross. There's joy found in Christ. There's joy every time we share Christ. Share Christ. Be joyful in trials. And maybe we even laugh in difficult circumstances. May we never lose sight of the joy and the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive his king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. My question to you today. Do you have joy? And realize, I'm not here to make light of your difficult day. We all have those. They're very real. But my prayer is that we all would have an eternal perspective and find joy in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the joy that comes at Christmas. Thank you so much for the cross and the empty tomb. Now, you want to talk about something unexpected? It's going down to the tomb with a bunch of oil and spices, and then it's empty. Now, if you can't find joy in an empty tomb, I don't have anything else to offer you. So, Father, may we be Christians who follow Jesus Christ, who are filled with joy, and who share that joy with others. It doesn't mean that we make light of our, of our situations, but may we have a perspective like Paul did. This is a momentary, a momentary light affliction compared with the immeasurable weight of glory. So, Father, may we have an eternal perspective. May we find joy. May we laugh. May we enjoy each other's company. But most of all, Father, we know that that takes place. When Jesus enters our heart, we repent of our sin and he places in us a heart of flesh. We become one of your children. Father, we can come into your presence. Abba, Father. And there we find peace and hope and joy. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know that joy today, let today be the day they experience true, never-ending, eternal joy through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. I would ask if you would please stand. We're going we're gonna to sing, and this is just a time of commitment. I don't know what the Lord has laid on your heart. Maybe it is time for you to give your life to Jesus and experience joy. Maybe it's just that we need to give some part of our life to Jesus that's been holding us back and experience that joy once again. But however God's leading, you respond. Let's sing. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine, for thee all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou, 
Amen. Hey, it's good to have the joy of the Lord, right? Um, now, just a couple of things. Pay attention to your to your bulletin, uh, and, and we've got a, a fantastic evening here tonight filled with music and uh, maybe a chance at joy. Um, but then, then again, on uh, Thursday, we're going to leave. There, there's one group that's going to leave at, at 5 because I shared with the choir, we need to get to the nursing home before they fall asleep. That's not a knock that happened last year, and so we, we had to do that. And um, But if you can't make it at 5, I, we're going to try to get another group that leaves about 6.15 or 6.30 because we have plenty of people we can go and see. What are we doing? We're singing, singing Christmas songs. So uh, come, and even if you can't sing, make a, make a righteous racket. Um, but, but come, and come. It's, it's fun. You will, you'll, you'll be blessed. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And then one other thing. Um, Whoever took baby Jesus out of the manger, out front, if you just just return him and and uh, just know the Lord's got you covered. So uh, we, we don't know. We just we showed up and Jesus wasn't there this morning, and so uh, we just want to make sure Jesus is in the right place. Um, but we are we are going to close out again singing this uh, this this song. The uh, what's the name of it? We need a little love. We're going to finish out singing that song, and then when we're all done with that, Steve, if you will come and. Close us in prayer.
worship you, Lord. Father, you are the light of the world and love. You are love and you're all that we need, Lord. And we just pray that we can do the love that you've instilled in each one of us and spread that love to everyone that we come in contact with. And Lord, we just pray that as we leave this place today, that we take you with us and share you with everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, we just pray that you forgive us for where we failed you in so many ways. We just ask these things, Jesus, in your most precious and holy of all names. Amen.